Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everyone, before we get into today's podcast, we have a live, in-person, naughty and nice tarot show coming up. You can buy your tickets from the Anne and Renata webpage at anneandrenata.com. And the end is spelled A-N-D, not a symbol. See you there. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. Said to be one of the ten most haunted places in America, the Lemp Mansion in St. Louis, Missouri, plays host to the tragic ghosts of the Lemp family. People report knocking, footsteps, horses neighing, dogs barking, bells ringing, doors slamming and cold spots throughout the house. Welcome to this week's episode of True Hauntings. I'm Anne Rekovich. And I'm Renata Daniel. And this week, we are going to Lemp Mansion, St. Louis, Missouri. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. And welcome back, Anne, after a week's holiday where we enjoyed the famous hospitality of Launceston, Tasmania. We are back here now on the big island, terra firma, Australis, and back to work. And boy, we're finding it a struggle to pull ourselves together and focus, aren't we? <laughs> yes. This is what happens when you have a few days away. But it's interesting travelling by plane. Now, this is our second uh, plane trip within Australia 
this year mm-hmm. and you've got to get all masked up. And we, our friend Sue told us that you've got to take some sanitizers with you and you've got to wipe down your seatbelts, the clips, the tables, the chairs, the armrests, and also that you should get the air vent and direct it onto your face so you've got air constantly hitting your face in case somebody sneezes on you. But we got through the flights mm-hmm. and they were pretty jam-packed too. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were. A bit terrifying with those masks on for the few hours that we had to be in and out of the airports, but it does give me a greater appreciation for all of those workers who need to wear them for their full length of time while they're Mm. working. We only had to wear it for a couple of hours, but they've got to wear it for an eight-hour day. Yeah. Oh. And so we decided this time that we'd stick around the Launceston area. And I've never been there, so it was uh, an experience for me. I was there about 20-odd years ago. That's the first time I went. It must have been your 50th birthday. Yeah, something like that, cow. And we then decided that we would stay in historic Accommodation. Yes, that was great. We looked up convict buildings, convict locations and things like that to see whether we could stay there. And lo and behold, we found two. Mm-hmm. We found Brickenden and Woolmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we needed one night actually in Launceston, so I found an old nunnery, as you do, and we stayed there for one night. And as it turns out, we ended up in the chapel. Mm-hmm. It used to be the chapel. I had the best night's sleep there ever. <laughs> yeah, I must say, so did I. <laughs> I didn't sense a ghost or nothing. must have been all of those prayers over so many years and or, made it such a beautiful place to the, sleep. Or the fact that we'd done a wine tour that day. Yeah, that could have, yeah. Could have, <laughs> that may have could helped have sedate us. Yes. Brickenden, we stayed in the coachman's cottage and it was delightful. It was. I was hugging trees and sitting at the back pretending I was somewhere in England because it did have a very English feel to it, didn't Mm, it? It did. The backyard was very English and then you looked across the fence and it was Australia. Yes. (laughs) It was this bizarre divide where there was very English and then Australia, mate, (laughs) over the other side. And those beautiful acorn trees and, oh, it was just gorgeous. Yes, it was. And then we stayed at the nunnery and Mm -hmm. then we decided that we were headed off to the the other one, which was Woolmers. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about Woolmers is that the accommodation is part of the site we that is actually, open to the yeah. public. We were in buildings that were belonging to the free settlers. The free settlers. So where the men and women of Australia started off. And like some of these buildings are 200 years old. Mm-hmm. And we had some guests. We did have guests. <laughs> Guests that we didn't cope with terribly well at all. Guests, guests with many legs. <laughs> I was, I, you know, we're just unpacking the car. We're admiring the beautiful whitewashed walls <laughs> and the furniture and going, this is really nice. Because we'd just come in, hadn't we? They yeah. opened it up and this was our first. <laughs> So you and you and our friend Sue have headed upstairs to check out the bedroom. <laughs> yes. And I've gone out into the, the kitchen to dump bags and then I hear this unearthly screaming going on. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I've gone, what's wrong? What's wrong? So I've partly bolted up the stairs and they've gone, stop, look up. And I've looked up and there's this huge huntsman spider. And I've turned tail and gone, hell no, I'm out of here. We don't fear the dead, we fear spiders. <laughs> 
the worst thing is I'm stuck upstairs with yeah. Sue and yeah. I'm, I'm saying, we can't stay here. <laughs> She was being deathly serious. We've paid for two nights' accommodation. She said, We're not staying. I cannot. (laughs) And the the problem was that these spiders, there was two spiders upstairs and there was one in the bathroom. They were scuttling, and that's the worst part. So I decided I had to put my big girl panties on. Yes, we wouldn't. (laughs) No, because I had to rescue them. Somebody had to. And I found a broom and I got up there because I I don't like to kill them. I wanted to put them outside because they do a great job of catching the flies and the mosquitoes and all of that. So I'm trying to catch them on the end of the broom. We've got the window open and I'm trying to throw them out the window as I get them onto the broom. And then, of course, I missed the first time. And there's a great video on TikTok <laughs> if you want to look up Anne and Renata <laughs> on TikTok of uh, the reactions. But we've, we've managed to video the whole thing, so it will come out on the travel blog. But eventually I did get them outside, but <laughs> it was the I didn't sleep for two nights. Nice. The sheer terror knowing that those little feckers can get into our bedroom. Oh. And you know the stories they talk about when you're asleep, you eat spiders. And mm-hmm. I just imagine these things crawling in my oh. mouth. But they didn't leave us alone for the whole weekend. No, no. They'd pop up in the in the worst places. I, I remember you turning around um, on our last night in the kitchen and mm-hmm. I, I could hear you going, Swearing. oh, yes, I won't say the word. <laughs> feckers. And, we'll call them feckers. <laughs> and then I've walked in and this this huge huntsman is behind the, the oven, but all you see is its two legs just poking out. And like, its little eyes. <laughs> its beady little oh eyes. I'm swearing at it and going, I told you I wasn't going to kill you, but this is warfare now. So I've emptied a can <laughs> of mortine on it. And it just ran around the kitchen. It was like I inspired it. <laughs> Gave it coffee or caffeine or something. Yep. And so it's, it's up on the wall. Every time we'd go in there, it changed position. You had to go through the kitchen to get to the bathroom. Uh-huh. And at one stage, we've just shut the door and um, then we've opened it up and it wasn't in the kitchen. I thought, oh, good. So I've gone into the toilet, sat down, popped my pants down and looked up and there it is looking at me. Oh, God. God help me. (laughs) I'm not moving now. (laughs) I showered staring at it. (laughs) It was still alive the next day. Don't move. Don't move. Oh, my God. Yeah, we don't cope with that sort of thing very well at all, but it was fun. It made a good story anyway. It has. It has. Let's get on to Lent Mansion. We need to get on to the story. (laughs) We talk about spiders forever. Oh no, do I have to sleep all the way up there tonight? This is what I thought when I found out that not only was I going to sleep in one of the most haunted houses in America, but I would be temporarily residing on the third floor attic cut off from the other guests and reportedly the most haunted floor of the building. As I walked up the two floors via the long flight of stairs through the lightly musty hallways ready to face my fate for the evening, I was full of trepidation. It would turn out to be one of the most terrifying, horrifying nights of my existence. Some of it brought upon myself. I didn't need to feel the presence of someone watching me or see objects moving by themselves or hear the ghostly footsteps that had been reported so many times by others because my own mind was filled with a wild imagination for the scariest possible outcomes. 
I unpacked my bag and then sat in the room they called the Louis Suite. The rooms are named after various members of the Lamp family. I stayed there a while, getting a respite from the hot St. Louis summer weather and realised that I wasn't feeling scared at all. I kept telling myself that this house doesn't give off any strange vibrations. I watched some TV before going out for the evening, arriving just back before 11pm. All was eerily quiet. There were no night employees or phones in the room, so I felt isolated, given that the attic only has three rooms. One of them was unoccupied, but the other room next to mine didn't have any sounds coming out of it. In a state of heightened anxiety, I kept my door wide open and put my backpack against the door. I worked on my computer and kept turning my head to check the open door. I thought I was catching glimpses of apparitions. But if I did, they disappeared quickly. Then suddenly, I heard a loud clanging noise and it didn't stop. Oh no, the ghost's coming to get me all alone up here, I thought. And I ran out of my room and down the hallway all the way to the end. And there, I saw that it was only a man scraping ice out of the ice machine. The man told me that he and his wife had stayed at the mansion some 50 times. He said the attic had just been made usable for guests in the last year or so, and that seances had been held up there since this part of the house was the most haunted. He said he had heard gunshots, ballroom music and ghostly voices during his day at the mansion and his wife had actually seen a ghost. He told me that a monkey-faced boy, the son of Billy Lamp, who spent his life confined to the attic, still haunted the mansion. This boy had basically been neglected by his family. People have repeated seeing his apparition peeking out of the attic's tiny windows. After talking to the man for around 10 minutes, I decided to take some pictures of my own in the hallway to see if I could catch some images of orbs or apparitions. Some of my pictures did capture orbs. One photograph of the hallway mirror appears to have a light outline of a ghost the size of a child's body. Could that have been the unfortunate monkey-faced boy? A little after midnight, I decided if the ghosts were going to get me, let them, because I needed to get some sleep. So I closed the door and went to bed. I tried to sleep, but no avail. All I could think of was what would happen when I closed my eyes. I tossed and turned with the ceiling light and fan on above me, feeling a bit of the chill even under the covers. Later, I decided to turn the fan off. But when I stood on the bed, I saw blinking lights through the glass window above my door. I boldly went to my door and opened it. Someone, or something, turned off the hall light. And in the shadows, a woman appeared. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I said to the apparent guest from the next room. She didn't look like a ghost as she stood next to the doorway of the room next to mine. Oh, that's okay, she said. I shut my door wondering if she were taking pictures of the hall as I saw flashes go off. 
I didn't feel scared when I saw her, but a tad relieved that I wasn't totally alone in the attic. A little after 5am, after more tossing and turning, I decided to get up and head to a nearby coffee house. When I opened the door, the hall light was on again. No one was present, and I scurried out of the deathly quiet mansion, fearful at every turn, trying to make it to the back door, the only way accessible to guests after staff leave for the night. Would the ghostly Doberman Pinsa try to scare me out of my wits? Somewhere along the hallways or stairways as I made my escape to freedom? Fortunately, nothing happened. I arrived at the coffee house ten minutes later. Do you have anything that is soothing? I asked the waitress. I stayed overnight at the Lemp Mansion and my nerves are shot. We have a nice chamomile tea that's good for that. I'll make you one, she said. The tea helped calm my nerves. With some quality time and the lively civilization of the coffee house, I felt much better. Back at the mansion, during breakfast... I shared my overnight experience and pictures with some of the guests. They found my night of trials very interesting. I won't forget my experience at the Lemp Mansion, especially since I did a better job of scaring myself than the ghost did. Okay, so this is the story of the Lemp family, and it all began when Johann Adam Lemp arrived in St. Louis from Germany in 1838. He started off by building a small grocery store and sold common household items and groceries and homemade beer. Mm. And this is where the real story begins. So he brewed a light golden lager, which was quite different from the darker beers that were sold at the time in America. So the recipe had been handed down by his father and it became so popular that within two years... Adam had to actually give up the grocery store and he built a small brewery and that was in 1840. So Lemp sold his first beer in a pub attached to the brewery and before long he found that the brewery was too small to handle both the production and the storage. And so he moved it into a limestone cave out at the city limits. So the cave could keep the brew cold and it provided perfect conditions for the lagering process. And so Lemp's Western Brewing Company was born and it continued to prosper and by the 1850s it was one of the largest in the city. So we've got just over 10 years and this man has become Mm. quite wealthy and Overnight sensation at Mm -hmm. 10 years, isn't it? Yep. And all because his father liked to brew a drop Mm -hmm. and this became the big thing. So Adam Lemp was a millionaire by the time of his death and he died on the 25th of August, 1862, and his son William became the major owner of the brewery and he expanded it and he kept expanding to meet product demand. So... In a very short period of time, the brewery covered five city blocks. 
That's a lot that's, of brewery. That's, that's a lot of beer. So by the 1870s, the Lemp family symbolised both wealth and power and the Lemp Brewery controlled the St. Louis beer market. And that's a position it upheld and maintained all the way up till Prohibition. And, of course, Prohibition stopped everything oh, everywhere. Yes. In 1868, Jakob Feichert, William Lemp's father-in-law, built a house a short distance from the Lemp Brewery. And in 1876, William Lemp purchased it for his family. While the home was already impressive, he immediately began renovating and he expanded it to a 33-room house in the Victorian style. So oh, he, nice. he created a showpiece out of it. So from the mansion, there was a tunnel that was built from the basement through the caves to the brewery. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I do like a good tunnel. When mechanical refrigeration became available, parts of the cave were converted for other purposes, including a natural auditorium and a theatre. Oh. So this underground oasis would later spawn a large concrete swimming pool with oh, hot water that. piped in from the brewery boiling house and a bowling alley. Oh, my heavens. Mm -hmm. At one time, the theatre was accessible by way of a spiral staircase from one of the streets above. Oh, I want this place. Oh, what, the caves. I know, that's what I mean. I want to go there just for the caves. So in the midst of this success, the Lemp family experienced the first of many tragedies when Frederick Lemp, William Senior's favourite son. Now, I I have to tell you. I got very confused with this family tree because there, there were so many Williams. So many Williams. Yep. So this is William Senior mm-hmm. son. Yep, yep. Sorry, William Senior's favourite son and heir. He died in 1901 at the age of only 28. Uh, Frederick, who had never been in extremely good health, died of heart failure. And they think Poor there darling. may have been tuberculosis in there as well. Mm. Okay. Mm. So William was never the same. He slowly withdrew from all social life and was rarely seen in public after his son's death. Now, remember, all of this excavation, all of this stuff had been put downstairs in in the cave, the swimming pools, the bowling alleys, all of this fun stuff, Mm -hmm. and then this tragedy occurred. Yeah. And William kind of went, I'm done. That's well, it. it didn't help that his best friend died yes. not long after that as well, and I think that just finished him off. Yep. So in January of 1904, William's closest friend, Frederick, died, leaving William unable to function and no longer caring at all about the brewery. He still arrived at the office each day, but his heart was not in it, and he became more nervous and unsettled. He just kept on declining and in February of the same year, February the 13th, one day before Valentine's Day, Mm. he shot himself in the head in the office. Wow. Yeah. So in November the same year, William Lemp Jr. (coughs) then took over as president and he not only inherited the business from his hardworking father but also a vast fortune and, as you do, he and his wife Lillian began to spend all the money. Yes, I remember reading a quote that the parents made the money and the children spent the money. Mm-hmm. So you're also looking at that next generation that 
looked at life very, very differently because the family that came over from Germany would have counted every single penny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that um, would have been instilled to William Senior mm-hmm. and they probably wanted to not have that pressure on their own children and afforded them the luxuries and um, bowling alleys in a cave, for heaven's sakes. Mm-hmm. So they were used to something different, the yeah. children. yeah. And, of course, with all of this excess money, and Lillian also came from money, they filled the house with servants, spent huge amounts on carriages, clothing and art. So Lillian was a beautiful lady and I have seen photographs of her and she Mm. was quite stunning. Um, As I said, she also came from a wealthy family. And I suppose not much for her would have changed other than she was very, very happy to have married into another wealthy family, Mm -hmm. as you do. Money marries money. Mm -hmm. But life did change for her when William J. Lemp III was Mm -hmm. born on September 26, 1900. So I'm not sure whether she was involved with the upbringing of little William Jr. Oh, I have got some stories Mm -hmm. for you. (laughs) I will be listening. It seems to me that she was quite a socialite. She was. I I think that's what the big thing was. And Mm -hmm. and maybe the baby was there just to offer the security of it being able or the whole business being able to continue to be in the family. So it's like hurry up woman and have a baby and make sure it's a boy so that um, the inheritance can keep going. So around town, Lillian became known as the Lavender Lady Mm. because she quite loved the colour lavender. She did. And let's just say that it was more than a love. It was an obsession. Oh. Everything was lavender. And she went so far as to have her carriage horses' harnesses dyed lavender. Oh, really? Yes. That would have looked quite stunning. Uh, I don't know if that's the word I'd use, but yep. (laughs) But can you imagine everything in lavender? Mm Mm-hmm. If she had white horses, were they painted lavender too? Oh, it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But anyway, at first William enjoyed showing off his trophy wife, but he was also known as quite a ladies' man and he liked to fool around a lot. Mm -hmm. And he was used to doing whatever he wanted and acting however he pleased. Now, if I remember correctly, I had used a hashtag on this one before, mm. hashtag wandering willy. Oh. Remember? Yes, yes. So eventually, of course, what happened is William tired of his beautiful wife and he demanded, and listen to this, that she must spend her time shopping. What an awful punishment for a woman. I'm I'm waiting for the the punchline here of the horrible thing to happen. Well, this is atrocious. I mean, what I have to say next is an abomination. (laughs) I'm I'm holding my breath. He gave her $1,000 a day to spend and he he said to her that if she didn't spend it, she wouldn't get any more. Ah. $1,000 a day. $1,000 a day. To spend. Shopping, oh. and if she didn't spend it, she wouldn't get any more. And $1,000 back then was a huge amount of money. Yep. In the meantime, he made himself busy running the brewery during the day and pursuing all manner of decadent activities during the night. Oh, was that eating chocolate at all hours or something? Mm. Mm. <laughs> 
Wandering Willie. <laughs> yeah, so he would hold lavish parties in the caves below the mansion. He would also bring in numerous prostitutes for the entertainment of his friends. Ooh. They could use the swimming pool, the bowling alley, and drink all the beer they wanted. Literally, it was on tap. So Will Shenanigans eventually caught up with him when he had a son with a woman other than his wife. <gasps> Now, to date, it is said that there is no official documentation that this boy existed, mm-hmm. but there are many, many stories that suggest that, yes, this boy truly did exist. And he was hidden away in the mansion's attic for his entire life and really didn't have anything to do with the rest of the world. It was a shameful thing that had happened mm. and they didn't want the rest of the community to know that this poor child existed. So was it just because he was illegitimate? No, no. So according to St. Louis historian Joe Gibbons, when he interviewed a former nanny and a chauffeur who worked at the mansion a long time ago, both of them verified that the boy did exist and was housed in the attic quarters that also housed the servants' rooms. They spawned from Will's philandering with either one of the many prostitutes or a mansion servant the boy was born with Down syndrome. Ah. Mm-hmm. And is this the boy they call the monkey-faced boy? That is horrible. It is oh, it's, I know awful. it's a time go past, but honestly. It is awful. And, of course, this was an embarrassment to the whole family and the boy suffered because of the shame William suffered at allowing the child to be born in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So William Jr. filed for divorce in 1908 and the court proceedings were a major St. Louis scandal with all four St. Louis newspapers devoting extensive front page coverage to the messy affair. Mm-hmm. I've and got some stories yes. on those <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> so the trial opened in 1909 to crowds that flocked to the courthouse each day to witness a drama of tales of violence, drunkenness and cruelty. Mm. Now virtually ignoring William's activities, Lillian almost lost custody of William Lemp III because, get this, a photograph was presented at the trial that showed her smoking a cigarette. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, that is definitely not parental material there. So apparently William could act like a godless, narcissistic beast. Oh, I like those. Did you like that? That's what I called him. I could see that on a Mm T-shirt. Oh, that's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) But when Lillian was seen smoking a cigarette, apparently the sky fell in. Yep. That's yeah. just And, of incredible. course, women, women and male are, are, you know, treated exactly the same, aren't they? Mm-hmm. No. So in the end she did retain custody of their son but soon retired from public and eye. I know what she used to keep the son, I'll tell you shortly. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if I've only skirted across the surface of this big story, <laughs> you're going to dig I deep. Went, I went down the rabbit hole and mm. I had to once again pull it up. <laughs> So the only time she was ever seen wearing anything other than lavender was on the final day of her divorce proceedings when she appeared entirely in black before the judge. So with a divorce, Wolf's troubles had only rarely just begun. So in 1906, nine of the large breweries in St. Louis had combined to form the Independent Brewers Company 
creating competition for the Lemp Brewery, and in the same year, Will's mother died from cancer. So though the brewery's fortunes were continually declining, the Lemp Mansion was entirely remodelled in 1911 and partially converted into offices for the brewery. William allowed the company's equipment to deteriorate and by World War I, the brewery was just barely limping along. Limping limps. Yes. Sorry, I had to do it. (laughs) Begging. So William soon built a country home on the Miramec, Miramec, Miramec River. We apologise to all our American friends. Yes, sorry. And married for the second time to Ellie Limberg, the widow daughter of the late St. Louis brewer Casper Cola. Oh, that's money. a great name, Casper Cola. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you've got him marrying into another brewing, yeah. brewing family. I suppose it was the circles I moved in. Mm. So, of course, Prohibition came along in 1919 and by that time most of the Lemp family were already wealthy, so there was really little incentive to keep the brewery afloat. So for a time, William hoped that Congress would repeal Prohibition but finally gave up and closed the Lemp plant down without notice. What a bit of an ass! Mm. The, the workers actually learned about it when they came to work that day, and the, wow. the gates were closed. Yeah. On March the twentieth, nineteen twenty, Elsa Lemp Wright, William's sister, the wealthiest heiress in St. Louis, shot herself just like her father had years before. Elsa was said to have been depressed over her loveless marriage. Mm. She also had a lot of stomach issues with bad indigestion Mm -hmm. and it was chronic and she had got very little relief from it. Oh, that's sad. But I've got another bit of a story about her too. Okay. Remember these names. (laughs) So after the end of the Lemp's Brewing Dynasty, William Junior slipped into a depression. He became increasingly nervous and erratic, shunned public life and complained of ill health. There seems to be a pattern going Mm, on here. There is. So on December 29th, 1922, William shot himself in the heart in the very same building where his father had died 18 years before. There's a lot of tragedies soaking into the walls of this building. Yes, in 1943, another tragedy occurred when William Lemp III died of a heart attack at the age of 42. Charles, the brother of William III, eventually remodelled the mansion back into a residence and lived in the house along with two servants and the Ill- illegitimate child of his brother William. So Charles, oh, that's Zeke, the, the monkey face boy. Yes, yes. So Charles became an odd figure as he grew older. He developed a morbid fear of germs and his obsessive compulsive behaviour included wearing gloves at all times to avoid bacteria and constantly washing his hands. Mm-hmm. OCD. Yeah. So it was during this time that William's illegitimate child, now in his 30s, died at the mansion and he was buried on the Lemp Cemetery plot with only a little marker that said Lemp. And I've got something about that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So shortly after Monkey Face Boy's death, Charles became the fourth member of the Lemp family to commit suicide. First he shot his beloved Doberman Pinzer in the basement of the mansion, then climbing the staircase to his room on the second floor he shot himself. So that's three of the men. In the house. In the house. And one of the daughters. Not in the house, but she's thought to have come back to the house as a ghost. Wow. 
so much tragedy. And then yep. like the the favourite son had died. He wasn't didn't die in the house, but he belonged with the family. They were quite a close family and you know, beloved. So he went. Mm-hmm. There was another one that died from cancer in the house as well. Yep. Sounds like a curse, doesn't it? It does a little Sounds bit. Sounds like a curse. So of the Lemps, only Edwin Lemp, who had long avoided the life that had turned so tragic for the rest of the family, remained. He was known as a quiet, reclusive man who had walked away from the Lemp Brewery in 1913 to live a peaceful life on a secluded estate. So Edwin passed away quietly of natural causes at the age of 90. In so 1970. He broke the curse. Mm-hmm. Only 1970. 1970. Wow. So, that's, for, for us old girls, that's not long ago. <laughs> mm. So, according to Edwin's last wishes, his butler burnt all the paintings that the Lemps had collected throughout his life. Yeah, that's a furphy. Okay. As well as priceless Lemp family documents and artifacts. Oh, yeah, he donated them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, these irreplaceable pieces of history vanished, allegedly. In the smoke of a blazing bonfire, but obviously yeah. they haven't. Yeah, so I think maybe some of the documents may have been burned because mm-hmm. they may have been incriminating or something, but heirlooms and everything were definitely donated. Mm. I, I did find some information on that. Yeah, and after writing all of this, I actually saw a new addition to a page where someone is going quite deeply into the history of this and they are pulling up a lot of old documents and things that they're finding. So something must have remained most definitely. So just to finish it up, after the death of Charles Lemp, the mansion was sold and turned into a boarding house. So tales of hauntings of the old building seemed to start around this time. Residents complained of ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps being heard throughout the house. And as these stories spread, tenants were hard to find for the boarding house and it continued to decline. So in 1975, the old mansion was saved by Richard Pointer and his family. Immediately, they began to renovate the building, turning it into a restaurant and inn. And there, on that point, I finish up my part on the history of the Lemp family. Now, before you carry on, I didn't know really anything about this. I know our friend Patrick over in America who runs the... um, Patrick Keller, the Big Seance Podcast. Big Seance Podcast, our our gorgeous Patrick. Hi, Patrick. We're doing this episode for you. This is because you requested it. You said, I'd love to hear you girls do the Lemp Mansion. Mm -hmm. We knew nothing about this place. No, that's what I was going to say I knew nothing about this place. But I'm happy to tell you, Renata, that I have secured a promise from Patrick that he will take us when we go to America. (laughs) Excellent. Well, get on to your bit. I want to know all the saucy bits. We might even be able to bring Karen A. Dullman with us as well. So Mitchy Ports. (gasps) Anyway, let's, let's get on to it. So, oh boy, where do I even start with this one? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot of the stories of the ghosts in this particular story all come from a particular lady, mm. and her name is Betsy Burnett Belanger. I don't know if she's related to Jeff, but she claims that every room is haunted within the the house, including the stairways, the attic, and the basement, and even the entrance to the caves, which is known as the gates to hell. So what does she have to gain from well, telling this story? you're jumping to the end of the <laughs> okay, segment right. before okay. I've given you all okay. the little juicy bits, all Renata. Right. Okay, I'll, I'll right. stop there. Let's, let's go through ghost by ghost okay. of the reported entities that are seen. So Zeke, the monkey-faced boy, <sighs> is one. I just hate that. <laughs> oh, no. That is one of the, the popular ones that's seen there. Now, there are three possibilities to who Zeke is. Okay. So the first one is the one that Billy, who is William Jr., yes. had a child out of wedlock yes. with a naughty maid. <laughs> I'm not, not saying a naughty maid. He probably forced himself, but in those days they had to do yeah, what the boss said. Anyway, they thought it could be her child. Or that this child was actually the child of William Senior and his wife, who had a child very late in their marriage when she was in her 50s. Mm-hmm. And because the child was born with Down syndrome, it was mortifying to them. It became a family secret and they hid him away in the attic. Mm-hmm. How's that for an interesting one? Mm hmm. 
And then there was a third one. Weren't there like asylums and things they could send these kids to well, at they, that stage? This, this is what they were saying is that they were pressuring them to put him into an institution of some form or other, but they didn't want it known that this child even existed. Right. They didn't want the shame. They had produced progeny that was not perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I just want to thump people sometimes. So now this particular explanation comes from a page called See a Ghost, S-W-E-A-G-H-O-S-T, See a Ghost. And they said that at some stage the Lemp Mansion was loaned out to Marion Hospital. Marion Hospital was once the old Kramer Mansion before it went into foreclosure. So part of the Lemp Mansion was loaned out to it and they'd have the uh, poor homeless and not perfect people living there. So people seeing this deformed boy out of the windows might have actually been a hospital patient and actually nothing to do with the family at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I think either explanation one or explanation two rings right for me. Mm -hmm. There was even a suggestion that William Jr. had had an affair with a Down syndrome maid, which is why they ended up with a Down syndrome child. It just seems to get more and more convoluted and the stories tend to change a lot. So some of them say that he died when he was 16. Mm -hmm. Some say he died when he was 30. Mm -hmm. Now, if he died when he was 30, he was William Senior's. If he died when he was 16, he was William Jr.'s. Right. And that's how they they worked out the, the ages. So that's interesting. As for the suicides, it became something that happened quite often amongst the German community as businesses failed and they were facing depression and the depression and the prohibition and all of this stuff going on. And the the police even started to call it the Dutch Act. They'd say, oh, there's been another Dutch Act. Now, the reason why it was coined that is because of Deutsch. You know mm-hmm. the word Deutsch for mm-hmm. German? Mm-hmm. So it was their code that another German-American had taken their own life. Mm. Okay. Now let's move on to Elsa, Elsa Lemp-Wright. Now she was the youngest daughter that committed suicide. She was one of the richest heiresses in St. Louis. She married a very pretty man. She was very naive. Are you saying pretty man for a reason? He was No, he was just a handsome man. A handsome man. Slept around on her quite a bit. He didn't even try to hide it. So she divorced him and then he won her back again and they remarried. And a week after returning from their honeymoon, she committed suicide and he got all her inheritance. Now have a think about that. That's just, yeah. That's something now. Mm. Just let me read you the report here. Mm -hmm. On the morning of March 19th, 1920, she told her husband she was doing better after a sleepless night with her indigestion and she had depression as well and insomnia from the indigestion. She probably had an ulcer, poor poor chicken. She wanted to remain in bed for a little bit longer and Wright went into the bathroom to draw her a bath like a good husband. He heard a sharp sound over the noise of the running water and opened the bathroom door to call to his wife. When she didn't answer, he went to the bedroom, opened the door and found her laying on the bed staring at him. When he got closer, he saw the revolver lying next to her. She tried to speak to him but failed and seconds later she died. There was no suicide note, which was a common thread 
with a lot of the suicides. There was only one suicide note that was left Mm -hmm. and no indication that she'd even been considering committing suicide. But the authorities were not notified for over two hours that she had died. Mm -hmm. Something smells weird about this, methinks. Yes. Now let's talk a little bit about William Jr., who was brother to Elsa. Mm -hmm. He sold everything he had during the Prohibition, and as you said, he had a second wife. He shot himself. On the day he shot himself, he said to his secretary to go downstairs, and then he went and unbuttoned his vest and shot himself in the heart. He was breathing when he was found but died before the doctor arrived, and again, there was no suicide note, but he had, as you said, become reclusive, erratic, and his health was failing. Now, leading up to this, he had the problems with Lillian. So Lillian and Billy were probably very similar in personalities. You know, they were both egotistical. Mm-hmm. Now, the Lily, way... Lillian's the lavender lady. Lavender lady. Mm-hmm. Now, you know how you were saying that she nearly lost William III? Yes. Well, let me tell you about what she testified was going on that she managed to keep him. Ah. So Lillian accused Billy, William Jr., of cruelty to animals. A family employee testified that he staged monkey and chicken fights at the brewery and that William III had watched live birds being fed to monkeys. Lillian also revealed that Billy had a habit of slaughtering the neighbourhood cats. He didn't deny this, but instead he admitted that he shot at stray cats when they disturbed his sleep. Lillian also told the courtroom that Billy threatened his employees. If a servant was too slow for his liking, Billy took out his pistol and laid it upon the table. At night, he slept with the gun under his pillow, aimed at Lillian. <laughs> so not surprisingly, the sole custody of William III was awarded to Lillian. <laughs> now, you, you can't help but wonder, has she paid people off to tell these stories? Was there a hint of truth in it? But, you know, the interesting thing was in death, they were laid either side of their son in the mausoleum, the Lemp mausoleum. Mm. Oh. Wow. That would be an interesting place to go and sit and to feel that afterlife energy. Yep. Another person who died in the, the mansion was Julie Lemp, who died of cancer in the house. She seems to roam the house unaware of the living, but is searching for her sons and maybe for Zeke as well. Now let's talk about Charles. So Charles was one of the surviving brothers towards the end. He remained a bachelor, became a recluse, as you were saying, became odder and odder. He had a fear of heights and germs and he slid into insanity. He was just left there with Zeke, the boy, and his dog, Server, and two servants. On May 10th, 1949, staff took breakfast to his office. When he hadn't touched it, they went looking for him, found him dead with a bullet to the head. Now, this is the part that really upset me. And if you are animal lovers, don't don't listen to this part. Just sort of jump ahead a minute. Apparently, he took his beloved Doberman dog, Server, down into the basement and shot her. The reason being... He didn't want the dog going berserk and trying to attack people when he was found dead. Mm -hmm. But the dog didn't die instantly. Mm -hmm. 
and it dragged itself up the stairs trying to be with its master mm-hmm. and died on the stairs. Mm. I, I did that read that. just yeah. upset me so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, must have been a very sick mind is all I can say. That uh, Very, very troubled. Troubled, yeah. Troubled mind. But he was thinking of others when the fact he didn't want the dog attacking them. Yeah, yeah. But he did leave a suicide note. I wonder whether he also thought about what would happen to the dog during sort of attacks and how that the dog would die. He probably thought that would be quicker if he just shot the dog. Yeah, yeah. Or he didn't want the dog to suffer, not because they were beloved mm-hmm. and, and without their masters, the animals do mourn. Yeah. Now, there is another ghost that is reported in the house called Sarah. Oh, where does she pop up? That's a very good question. Apparently now the house became a boarding house flop house Mm -hmm. at some stage because people were coming back from the war. They had no money. They had no place to live. They're in the Depression. They needed a cheap place to stay, and that's when it fell into uh, disrepair. They used to leave the third floor sealed off, and that's where they just store stuff. So apparently this girl was murdered on the third floor, and according to Betsy, now remember we were talking mm-hmm. about Betsy? Betsy Belanger. She, she's now the tour guide there. Ah. She said that Charles witnessed the murder of this ghost and that has distressed the ghost of Charles, but Sarah is quite often seen in the house. And I just thought that was just bizarre, really strange. There's also several people that are seen throughout the place during the day and they disappear as soon as they've been noticed. In William's room, now they didn't state which William it was, guests here running up and down the staircase and kicking of the door. That might be Zeke. That sounds like something maybe Zeke would be doing. There's also reports of pianos playing in empty rooms, jugs that have water swirl in it when there's nobody moving the jug. Doors would lock and unlock on their own. Toys in the attic move. People see the monkey-faced boy looking out the windows onto the street. Candles will light by themselves. There's also another story about a man in a dark suit who has been sitting at a dining room table in the dining room and the waitress comes up and asks, would you like a cup of coffee, sir? And he doesn't answer. Okay, and turns to serve someone else, comes back to him and he's gone. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. nowhere he could have gone. People often feel the sensation of being watched, fear, dread, even an evil presence. And there is a story of a carpet layer who, and this is what during the renovations, who heard dog claws coming up the staircase and the smell of dog breath near him. A lot of tradesmen have bolted from this house never to return. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Lavender Lady, who is said to wander through the mansion and apparently near her portrait you get the smell of lavender. How bizarre. Yes. There's also a lot of activity in the Gates to Hell, the Lemp Cave. There is a well-dressed man that is seen in highly polished shoes. Horses are heard trotting over cobblestones. Now, but this was interesting, this one, because there was no cobblestones. Mm-hmm. But when they started to do some renovations, they noticed there was a patch of lawn that was not doing very well, so they ripped it up. Guess what was underneath it? Oh, cobblestones. <gasps> cobblestones. Oh. Now, I, I want to get on to Betsy Belanger. 
who talks about every room in the house being haunted. Now, she's been on quite a few TV shows. There's been a few ghost hunting series that have been there, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Booth Brothers have been in there filming. So she's got to become a little bit of a star, and she's gorgeous. I did watch some YouTube videos, and she believes everything she's talking about. She's very passionate about Lemp Mansion. God love her. So she says that they're all haunted, every room, every everything is haunted. She also reported the, the story of the man in the the dining room and she also talks about the atrium room or the jungle room which housed exotic plants and animals and people have seen phantom birds and cats and other animals. She talks about Charles and Charles makes his presence known via a smell which is odd because he was a very clean freak. The investigators that Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson encountered an unbearable odour of sewage in one of the rooms, believing that the fetid stench to be a warning from Charles and his ghostly ways. They think that was him saying, get out. (laughs) (laughs) A ghost fart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I have had that happen. A ghost (laughs) fart? Ghost fart? From you or a ghost? No, not me. Oh, for a oh, long please. time I actually said, that's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this horrid small come from nowhere and I still always say it was a ghost fart. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go through some of the things that this lovely lady has reported. So the the lady Lavender, in you know, the smell of lavender, and there's the office where he committed suicide, which male visitors apparently are violently pushed out of the room. Then there is Billy, who likes to plant spectral kisses on the cheeks of women who look like Lillian. And apparently Billy also makes appearances in the women's restroom where he peeks over the stalls at them. <laughs> Hello, what you doing? A one or a two in there? Oh, dear. Oh, I don't know whether that would be Billy planting kisses on women's cheeks that look like Lillian. Mm, that that just yeah, sort of didn't sit right with yeah, me. Yeah, doesn't sit right with me, but um, anyway. No, look, a lot of this information I've got has come from two books. One is called Haunting America by Karen Stolls now, and the other one is Missouri's Haunted Route 66, Ghosts Along the Mother Road by Janice Tremia, Trema, something. And, look, the, there's one that was really great that lined up with a lot of how I felt about this particular case. Oh, dear. All right. So let's get into a bit of debunking, shall okay. we? Okay. So the, as you can say, the, the phantom footsteps and doors opening and closing could be anything. Anything. It's a huge house. Like footsteps could be coming from anywhere. Yeah, and it sits on top of a cave. Yes, and the temperatures and the cold spots, hello. Yeah. So... What we have found with ghost stories is that they do change over time. You, oh. You've noticed that, haven't yes, you? Yes, of course they do. They grow bigger. So the the story of the painter hearing the horse's hooves on the cobblestones have now been retold as a psychic who heard horses neighing and that a tethering lot was later discovered instead mm-hmm. of the cobblestones being discovered. Mm-hmm. Now, many of these tales have come from Betsy, who claims that she has got these stories about the ghosts via her dowsing rods. Mm -hmm. 
Betsy, are you here with us right now? No, no, Betsy is still with us. <laughs> Betsy is still with us. Who's, who's flicking the lights on in here? So as you know with dowsing rods, they can be manipulated sometimes not consciously, subconsciously, because you want them to move. So you're staring them and you don't realise that the micro movements of your wrist are actually going to cause it to swing in the direction that you want it to go. Are you saying that it's not spirit using the dousing rocks? Possibly. Sometimes. Now, the same thing happens with Ouija boards when you're using Ouija boards. If you're all wanting the one answer, then I can guarantee the planchette's going to slide there. It's not going to be ghosts. Uh-huh. It's yep. going to be the mm-hmm. want of the group. And it could be that someone has psyability in the group, but you don't know. So a lot of Betsy's ghost stories actually contradict the written history of the Lamp Mansion. And by digging into the Lamp family, the popular claims of many of these ghosts can be dismissed. The sad saga of the monkey boy can be traced back to Betsy's tours and her psychic revelations. In some accounts, it was the saying Billy had fathered the child with his mother or a sister as well. And there is the story about the unmarked grave. The child is supposedly buried in the Bellafontaine Cemetery in an unmarked grave. Mm-hmm. There is no record of him there, although a child's grave marked with only the name Lemp is there, and it's the final resting place of Elsa's baby Patricia, who was born and died on August the 8th, 1914. Mm. Now, that would explain a lot of her depression as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. which yep. wasn't mentioned in the other history. Yep. So the monkey-faced boy could actually be a furphy. Yep, could be. Although they they do believe that this person did exist, but who is he? Is he actually a member of the Lamp family or not? Mm -hmm. Now, the picture of the Lavender Lady and all of that going on, now that portrait actually didn't end up into the house too much later. Mm -hmm. So it was a later addition. And I think it's that power of suggestion that it's the lavender lady, so you're going to smell lavender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't believe that yep. there, there is anything with that particular one. She also painted the mural, the jungle-themed mural on the walls in the atrium. It was said that this room was once filled with exotic birds and plants. As belief is supported by claims that people hear phantom birds and the sounds of other animals. However... The Lemp Mansion was a home that doubled as an office. It was not an aviary or a zoo. Mm-hmm. So people have seen these pictures. Our dear Betsy has used a dowsing rods. They've come up with the stories. It, it's got confused with the story of Edwin, whose mansion was Cragwold. Now, he did have a love of nature and a passion for exotic animals and his house was designed around a central atrium that was filled with tropical plants and rare birds. Not in the Lemp Mansion. Mm-hmm. So he actually had a license to have exotic animals there, and he bought and sold and traded in animals with many zoos around the country, especially with the St. Louis Zoo. So he had a menagerie of exotic animals, such as antelope, water buffaloes, llamas, emus, sacred cattle from India, Siberian yaks, peacocks, and parrots. 
And this is where I have the information that he didn't destroy the family heirlooms. He donated them, many of them, including Adam Lamp's first brew kettle that he gave to the Missouri Historical Society in 1955. So what's really happening here is that people are going to the Lamp Mansion and they feel this sense of sorrow, the depression, the horrible stories that have happened in there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this family have had their dirty laundry aired publicly. So it's not surprising that it's stereotyped as a haunted house because of these violent deaths. And then we've got the the violent death of Sarah, who doesn't actually exist mm-hmm. on the third floor. Are they creating these energies up there because they're, they're investing it and the ghost hunters are coming, they're asking her name, mm-hmm. they're looking for her? I don't know. At one stage, apparently, the, the house was so run down that it looked like a Disney Hollywood haunted house. Mm -hmm. It was almost as if they had decorated it to look like that. So that would also play upon the local community as well and it would become the, oh, that's the haunted house. Mm -hmm. And then the legends, the urban legends, grow legs and run. Absolutely. But I have a funny little story to tell you from our beautiful Patrick, who has been and stayed at Lemp Mansion. So Patrick and his friend Karen Dalman went to the Haunted American Conference and they arrived at Lemp Mansion bringing their Ouija boards and a few other little ghostly gadgets ready for a night of ghostly happenings and investigations. Now Patrick, having a few neck issues, wasn't feeling very well, so he decided to have a nap and Karen very nicely let him go and have a sleep, a bit like Sometimes I need a nap when we're on holidays and you leave me be. Yep. So he wanted to be well rested before they started their night activities. Now, after he'd had a bit of a sleep, he was starting to wake up and he heard in the hallway some children giggling and running up and down the hallway and they were playing at being ghost hunters. Now, he thinks that they sound like they were a brother and a sister, aged. The girl's probably a little bit older, so she was probably about 12 or 13. The boy was around about 10. I now remember this story. You remember story. this? Yes. <laughs> Naughty. Don't give it away. Naughty Don't give Patrick. it away. Keep going. They had a little walkie-talkie with them, and they were talking to their mum and dad who were downstairs having dinner because the parents were making sure that they you were know, keeping track of their children, which was very mm-hmm. responsible. So the children had gone up to the door that Patrick was in, and they've tried the door handle because they assumed nobody was in there. Mm -hmm. And they've reported back to the parents, no, there's nobody in there. We're not hearing any sounds. And they're wondering what they're going to do and how they're going to investigate. Now, Patrick was feeling much better by this stage. (laughs) And he thought, why not have a little bit of fun? So he got up. Apparently there was a few doors in the room that they were staying at. He's gone to the door that he thought would be nearest where they were and banged. (laughs) Once, mm-hmm. really loudly, the kids gasped loudly. <gasps> Did you hear that? And then there was silence. And then the young boy said, Oh my freaking God! Did you hear that? <laughs> they jumped on the radio to their parents, Mom and Dad, guess what just happened? And they say, No one's in the room, Mom and Dad. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. 
Meanwhile, Patrick's on the other side of the door, giggling quietly to himself, as I could imagine Patrick were doing. But the problem was that that really enticed them then, and they were fascinated with this door and waiting to hear more from the ghost on the other side when he was trapped in there yep. for about 15 minutes and he didn't want to come out and ruin it for them. And God bless you, Patrick. I'm in two minds and he was a bit worried he might get hate mail over this. He's provided an experience for these guys that mm-hmm. may make them into paranormal investigators and they will talk about their experience at the Lemp Mansion forever and they they may crack the code. The code of what they are all about because Patrick gave them an experience. Yes. But it makes me wonder how often have we had these experiences where we think it's a ghost mm-hmm. and it's some bugger on the other side thinking, I've got to show these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> now, this leads us to is this a true haunting or not? Oh. From what we have researched and from what I have heard you talk about, I think there is a lot of residual energy left in that home. Mm-hmm. Whether all of the hauntings that are being reported are true hauntings, I probably would conf- confidently say I doubt it. Yeah. I I sort of feel that there's been a lot of urban legends created here. I would still love to go and experience it. Apparently, it's a great place to go and stay. They've got great meals. You can rent out the different rooms. There's the Lavender Suite, the William Suite, mm-hmm. the Elsa Suite, the Louis and Frederick Suite. So you can go and pick the room that these real people with their real-life stories lived mm-hmm. and died in, in some cases. And their prices are quite... Hmm. <laughs> Make a good living out of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a place I'd like to go and visit because mm-hmm. Patrick's going to take us. But I think there's a lot of urban legend that's been built up. Yeah, yeah. And, look, there's there's things that are good about that. You know, you've, you've got a, a city that has a haunted house. It probably has a lot more than just one. And people will go and they'll spend their money and they'll want to have a visit, but they'll also learn about the history of you know, this whole family that has come over from Germany and literally lived the American yeah. dream, which is from rags to riches. And it's quite possible now with Bet- Betsy's stories that she's telling over and over that she is creating these energies as real energies now. Mm-hmm. So you guys are going to have to make up your own mind on this one, but I'm sort of saying residual and maybe not as many ghosts as they think. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Next week, I've got no idea. I haven't even thought that far. We've just got off the plane and we're trying to record things and I've got no idea. But if you have enjoyed this episode, please share it around with your friends. Make sure you have subscribed. Also, you can find us on YouTube on Anne and Renata. You can find us on Facebook, Anne and Renata Frightfully Good. You can find us on, where else are we? What's the other thing? Instagram, Anne and Renata. TikTok. Oh, TikTok. TikTok. And there is funny video on there at the m- moment. Um, merch is coming. Merch is coming. We're working on it straight as soon as we finish this podcast. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for another spooky episode of True Hauntings. See you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, 
give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.